0: Welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki G. Wealth isn't defined by one single thing. In fact, life is like a giant rubber band ball full of twists, turns, and moments where we might pop, both in good and bad ways. I'm here to share some of life's lessons learned in real estate, finance, and parenting tidbits, literally anything that happens in life. Some episodes will be guests, some completely solo. Life's a journey. Let's make it a good one. And now a quick word from one of our sponsors. Listen up. Have you ever wanted to get started investing in real estate using your 401k or an IRA? If so, I've got some great news. EQRP and I have partnered up to offer you the chance to get those funds sitting in old investment vehicles working for you. It's time to get checkbook control of your IRAs and 401ks. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and book your call today. Welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki G. So, today we've got a very special guest with us who goes by the name of Nicole Pendergrass, who is a founder and CEO of Noir Vest Holdings. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Hi, Nicole.
1: <laughs> We're going to have to. So, if you're introducing yourself as Nikki G., I'm going to call you Nikki during the show if I happen
0: to say your name for whatever reason. But, hi. <laughs> thanks for having me on of course of course so I'm really happy and excited to have you on the show we first met online I think it was tender was it tender I'm totally joking I'm totally joking it was not tender
1: because <laughs> I was like are you, do you mean Tinder?" and I'm like Mm, I don't know how we would have met on there. Don't even try to get me in trouble with, with both of our husbands, actually.
0: Right, right. Justin would be like, uh, what? No, no, no. Like, no I'm what just are kidding. you on Tinder for? <laughs> no, we met through a mutual friend on uh, LinkedIn and we actually hopped on a call. I got to meet your two beautiful kiddos that day and we talked real estate and we've been friends ever since. Yeah. But
1: who uh, introduced us again?
0: Janesh.
1: Okay. You did tell me that before. And I don't know why I don't remember how that even happened,
0: but I'm glad he introduced us. I know me too. Well, it was more of like, Hey, I think that you'd really like this chick named Nicole. She's also in real estate. And since you guys both have the same name, I was like, okay, I think I could vibe with that. I could vibe with that. So yeah, no, it's been awesome. But I know that our listeners are dying to hear more about you. So can we open up with kind of you telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, so I am currently a resident of New York City. I live in the Bronx. I started my real estate journey with a house hack, and that completely changed the trajectory of my life and my investing career and my cash flow and all of that. So I just got so excited about the power of real estate, and I've been wanting to share that message with other people so that we can all benefit from, you know, what real estate has to offer. But then I also, so I was interested in multifamily and I also knew I wanted to scale and grow. So I joined mentorship programs and just started digging in on the commercial side. And then we also were going through that whole period of a lot of, I guess, Um, the protests and the Black Lives Matter and all those things. And so even though, you know, I'm a Black woman and those are things that I live with and know exist, but because it was just so constantly in my face and I just realized how much bigger I was even, I think I just was living my life with my head in the sand kind of thing, like nothing really happened to me. So what can I complain about? Blah, 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 blah. And so I kind of shifted some of my why to include really helping minorities and people of color get into wealth building vehicles like real estate and just to be able to invest to learn how it works to think untraditionally about finances and money and wealth building and not to just follow the herd and the crowd of what like what typical wall street and all other financial advisors and anyone anyone else kind of tells you what you should be doing with your money and how you should you know view life and jobs and we're all in like this cyclical repeat of, get up, go to work, you know, work all day, get home, do whatever you got to do with your kids or whatever you do in the the afternoon, eat dinner, (laughs) go to bed, wake up, go to work. It's like, it's just like over and over and over. And then you just, sometimes you stop and actually think you have a conversation and someone says, oh, you should put into your 401k. So how you do that? Like So you do all the things that society makes it easy for you to do, but there's a reason they make it easy for you to do it because there is a big benefit, mostly for them, the big boys who have a lot of money on the back end that if we stopped doing that as the masses, they would not be happy. So I don't know, that just went to a whole nother nother, like tangent. But that's who I am. I'm a multifamily investor. I'm passionate about helping minorities get into real estate and wealth building, passionate about trying to create time freedom for myself and my family and working my way to get out of my W-2 so that I can do this full time and really work on the initiatives that I want to have grow and prosper.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And one quick key thing that I really noticed you talk about too, is that we do the things that are easy for us to do. Like the things that are very traditional, that we've always kind of been taught to do from like an early age with that whole education and get a good job and kind of work your way up. And then you're in that cycle like forever. But I liked that you said that we need to think more unconventionally. I think, you know, that's something that we can definitely, we think very similarly on. So I guess since we're on the Wicked Wealth show, what does wealth mean to you? Freedom. 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 Freedom, Freedom of a
1: lot of different things. First, of course, is freedom of time so that your time is not tied to your revenue generating activities so that you can have time with your family. You can travel if you want, like you can be where you want. So then that's location freedom. And I'm kind of, I feel like I'm regurgitating Maurice Philogene, but, (laughs) (laughs) and I don't even know all his five freedoms, but those are two really big ones for me are just like time and location freedom and money really helps with that. You know, because we live in a capitalistic society. So if we don't have capital, we don't have the options.
0: Yeah, no, that's so true. Yeah, definitely. There's, you know, people tend to think like, you know, I want to be a millionaire, I want to have millions of dollars in the bank account. And, you know, it's always about like money, money, money. But really, what I think that when you think deeply about it, it's not necessarily about having that money, because like, really, what's that, you know, million dollars in your bank account really going to do for you? If anything, you know, after you've bought all of those like material possessions that you really want, I think that most people really want that money for that freedom. Like you've said, mm-hmm. you know, the time with your family, the location, freedom to live and do as you please. Mm-hmm. And that all of it, all of that comes with money, but there's got to be like a greater why to that. Right. So with your experience, like what would you say has been the most pivotal moment in your life that has gotten you to like where you are today? Oh, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> Let's start off with like, uh, with your house hacking, right? Like how did you come about with the house hacking? That's probably a better question to start with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my house hacking journey wouldn't have started without the beginning part of my real estate journey, which was a bunch of, I don't want to say failures, but
0: (laughs) 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 a a bunch of
1: learning experiences in the first half of my journey. Mm -hmm. So I started actually, and I said this on my own show that the reason that I even started was because my dad passed away. And some of the money that my mom got from his, wasn't really life insurance, but whatever source, I don't even know where that money came from. Cause he really didn't have life insurance, but she got something. And so some of that, she actually let me use to honestly have, <laughs> but mm-hmm. to get it started with my first coaching program. And from that coaching program, I learned about so many different strategies at the same time it was like a fire hose of information. And a lot of people, they hear about one thing, and then they study that. And then sometimes they randomly hear about another thing, and then they go deep on that. But I kind of didn't have that because I had everything at the same time, like up front. But then I was siphoned, siph- funneled into wholesaling because I was young. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any credit. I was a couple years out of college, like trying to you know make things work. And so just years of trying to grind and do that. And then joining my local RIA, like they tell all new people to do. And then like trying to get involved with not trying, but getting involved with a group where we bought some properties out in Detroit that we were going to rent and renovate and all of that. So all of these things were basically to give me enough capital to be able to do bigger real estate because I didn't have the capital at all. So I was doing all the active stuff to get the capital. Mm -hmm. Finally, someone in the RIA told me about a home ownership grant that they were giving $30,000 for down payments and that I should go because I had never thought about buying my own house because I can't afford a house. I can live in New York city. There's no way, like nobody even in my circle was even thinking, or even though I grew up in a single family house, like wasn't something, you know, obscure to me, but that just wasn't in my thought process that like, I was thinking about real estate investing in it, but not actually living in it. Like you know, that's not my own house. Right. Yeah. So I went and I got that grant and I always wanted a multifamily from all the courses and stuff that I had gone through. I always was interested in multifamily, but I thought that that was something I have to do later in my career. When I was much more experienced, I have years and years under my belt, have many more units, had the money to get into it. And so at first I wanted to do the house hacking thing, but because of the grant, there were time limitations that you could only like in a certain matter of months or weeks or whatever it was before the grant would expire. So I had to be fast looking for properties. I ended up looking for condos and for the amount that they pre-approved me for, I couldn't afford a multifamily. And so ultimately that grant fell through after like two failed condo contracts. Like I didn't end up purchasing. I moved into one, like first right of refusal and some other things. And then that still just fell through. And so after the grant fell through, I was like, well, I don't got these time limitations anymore. So let me just try to get my multifamily. So I used some of my knowledge trying to wholesale to get my multifamily so what I did is I sent out direct mail campaign to 3 and 4 family property owners in the Bronx because I knew how to look them up from my previous experience trying to wholesale even though I never did a wholesale deal but I just like had that skill set then and so I used that and out of the first round of mailers which I know you're supposed to send like You know, five, six, seven before people really start getting back to you. Well, out of the first round, I got this guy who I started negotiating with, and that's the house I ended up buying. So
0: nice, that's awesome. Well, congrats on that. I know that you know, obviously, we know each other really well, so I know what that's all been like, and it's been quite fruitful for most people with you know multifamily versus with single family side. And don't feel bad because I also have tried my hand at wholesaling and. It's not easy. I have no idea how people like make wholesaling out to be like this professional gig or something unless you just like have so much time and you just are willing to just like take that on as like your full time role. It's yeah. hard.
1: I think they push that as something that's much easier than it is. It's like a simple yeah. process, but it's not an easy process and they don't differentiate the two. And so you go in thinking, you know, you do these steps, which is true, but you really got to be a marketing machine. You got to have systems in place. Like wholesaling is no joke.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that's what I've experienced as well. It's been different for sure. So you've said a lot. So with the house hacking and the direct marketing campaigns and this grant program that you said that came from a business partner that was kind of telling you about it, or a friend.
1: She was another member of the RIA and she was part of the group who we had bought the houses in Detroit. So she was part of that group. And she told me she's also was a realtor in the city and she had some properties in Atlanta. So she was a little bit more experienced in real estate. She has some rentals. And so she told me about it. It was a Wells Fargo grant.
0: Okay. So out of all of that, though, like I did hear you say a few times about the failures, which we always talk about in real estate investing, right? Is like, you know, you kind of have to develop that tough skin, What's like one thing that you learned from those failures or those learning lessons that you can kind of apply now to today that you'll like never make that mistake again?
1: Trust, but verify. (laughs) If Someone (laughs) tells you 50 times, you can trust me. Or like they try to tell you there is this way 50 times, like, and you're supposed to believe them or they're saying like, you could trust me or I'm humble or I'm this or I'm that. Like if they have to keep saying it, it's because they're trying to convince themselves or they're trying to lie to you. So either way, you need to trust, but verify that information and get everything written down. I know people say that so many times, but it's so true. Even when people are not trying to deceive you, if it's not clearly indicated in like a contract or a scope of work, especially getting work from contractors and things like that. Your expectations could be different than what they normally do and what their experience, like, especially if they bust out like renovations or whatever, and they're just, you know, doing it their own normal way. But you have certain criteria that you would like. If that wasn't clearly outlined, then there's going to be a mismatch there and the expectations are not going to be aligned. And then there's going to be some discontentment.
0: Right, right. No, I could definitely see that for sure. I've been through these same kind of situations as well, especially with dealing with rehabs and dealing with contractors and and other people that, you know, are kind of part of that team that you need to push a project across the finish line. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of learning lessons that are within there. So, you know, kind of from all of this and up until today with the success that you've had, you know, what tools do you have, or perhaps even mindset shifts that you've adopted that have like allowed you to reach the level of success that you have today?
1: Man, that's hard because there's so much that I have been trying to purposefully dig into myself and work on my personal development as well as like my financial development. Right. And so there's been a lot of mindset shifts. I always thought I was an open-minded optimistic, you know, I don't quit kind of personality. I am, I have been that for a long time, but then, so when you feel that way, you feel like, oh, there's nothing to fix about me because I already, (laughs) you have all these attributes that they say you should have when you're a real estate investor. And I do all that. So yeah, you know, I'm good. I already got a good mindset, but when you really sit back and start thinking about it, there's some things that you can be addressing. (laughs) I think one of my biggest one is And it's something that I've heard time and time and time again about enjoying the journey. But within the journey, as I've gotten more experience, it's not that at the very beginning, because you're always not satisfied because you want that goal of that first property or that next property and growing bigger. But at this time, it's kind of like after getting a few properties, it's now I'm like, oh, I really do need to Enjoy the journey and I'm not, I don't feel as if I'm rushing myself as much to keep up with the Joneses and their property buying. So my keeping up with the Joneses is not getting new house and clothes and thing. It's like getting more properties, getting bigger properties. (laughs) Like that's my keeping up with the Joneses. So I have severe cases of comparisonitis that I I fight on a, a normal basis. And so for me, the biggest mindset shift that I've had was when I read that book, The Gap in the Game. And that really told you or taught you how to reframe it so that you are looking at your own progress from a specified time period before versus like not thinking of the goal as the ultimate gift. Like, Just don't look at the future because your goals are a guiding light and they're not ever really going to be reached. Like you'll start, you'll get small wins along the way and you will actually like, Get to that horizon and you'll say, Oh, I have a new goal, I have a bigger goal. Like if you're a growth person, you're always gonna have something more that you want to do. So that means you'll never be satisfied because you never actually reached a goal. Even though when you reach one, you don't have a time, a minute to actually focus on that. You're focused on what the next thing is. So if you actually reverse that and look backward to where you are today from where you came, you can be much happier and more satisfied with your progress and stop comparing yourself to other people. So that is my biggest mindset shift. And it is something I hear all the time about enjoy the journey. But until you actually sit back and really think about it, it's hard to do when you always have these goals you want to reach.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, you've definitely touched on a piece that I think a lot of people experience is that that comparison that keeping up with the Joneses and in real estate, our version of that is like, Oh, how many units do you have? How many assets under management? How much like how many millions of dollars are you worth or whatever? And it's like, it's that constant, like, you know, that constant kind of like pressure almost in a sense of like, Oh, like, do I belong in this circle? Do I belong in that one? Like, where should I be? And the reality of it is that we all have different goals and we all have different reasons for why we're in real estate. And maybe it makes sense for one person to want to have millions of dollars under assets, like assets under management. And maybe for someone else, they're good with like a million or two because they're like, you know what? This pays all my bills. This keeps me you know, traveling and keeps my family fed. That's all I need. So yeah, I think that that's something that I've been working on as well. But important piece there is like the goals, using your goals as your guiding light. So that's huge. And I know you are a huge fan and a very large proponent of generational wealth and you have two little kiddos. So tell me like one lesson that you've learned from childhood that you've tried to kind of instill in them, especially as you, you know, have become in that entrepreneur journey.
1: Whoa. That's hard because my childhood, I didn't grow up learning the mindset that I have now. And I don't know if anything from my childhood I'd actually want to instill in them as far as like mindset for wealth building or growth. Dang, that's a
0: really good question. You know what? You know what? Because we know each other and we're friends. I could probably even like answer this for you. Okay, please do. Now I
1: want to know what my answer should be.
0: No. And of course there's like, there's no right or wrong answer, but just knowing you, like, I feel like, especially you being in New York and, you know, having this kind of uh, just a different, like exterior, I would say like grit, like instilling your kid and your kids, the value of hard work, persistence and grit. I feel like those are all like three things that you have, like, that are pretty solid in you. And I think that that stems from like childhood though, too, like thinking about like your mom and your siblings and your mom working really hard. I don't know, no maybe way, I'm like- I need
1: to Get out of my head. <laughs> Me alone, because that's honestly the perfect answer. And I don't know why I blanked so much. And it's definitely from my childhood. Because, and I'll tell you why. Because I grew up in a family of seven. I have four younger brothers, and I'm the mm-hmm. oldest. And my dad was on disability, and he couldn't work for the longest time. Like he just was always sick, or always had health issues. He was on diabetes. He had you know, on, he was on diabetes. He was on dialysis. He had diabetes. He had heart issues, kidneys, You know everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so my mom was working two to three jobs most of my childhood, you know, so and sometimes she would bring us with her like she was doing paper routes at four in the morning. She would bring us in the truck and we would take the big paper and like throw it out to them. I'm aging myself. (laughs) (laughs) And we would take it from off the truck and we weren't like the delivery boy, but we would drop off the bundles to the delivery boys, you know, at each of their houses. Yeah. So sometimes she had to rush to get to her next job, she would bring us along to try to help her speed up. So she fed. Mm-hmm. She was cleaning our church, you know, every day or on the weekends. And we went to a big church, you know, so we mm-hmm. had to vacuum all the pews, clean all the, you know, eight bathrooms or however many bathrooms that, you know, so yeah, that on top of whatever her other main job, I think it was like a bunch of side jobs until she started working for New Jersey Transit part-time. And then she still was doing these side jobs on the side. So it was literally seeing her run around control the household from work. Cause we didn't have no cell phones. There was only landlines. I'm still aging myself. And then, you it's know, okay, girl, we I grew from, up that too. <laughs> yeah. And we came home from school and she called the house and we weren't there because let's say there, we found out about like, you know, we're going to a friend's house or we asked my dad, can we can go here? Or we have an event after school, but we forgot to tell, like we were in a bunch of activities. We forgot to tell, you know, our mom that we had something after school no, that wasn't happening. If she did not know before she went to work that day, you were not going. <laughs> so whatever came up during the day, you weren't going. She would call the house and be like, and she would scream at my dad, like, oh gosh, I'm making my mom look bad. <laughs> no, not at all. It, we all
0: grew up in like this sort of like, type yeah, of household. Household. I and it. I feel yeah. like
1: that is also just part of what established that grit and tenacity and me seeing my mom do that. And come home and just like still come in the door and be like, oh, y'all want to go outside? Y'all want to go to the museum this weekend? Y'all want to do this? Y'all want to do that? And of course, like as you get older, when you were babies, yeah, the museum sounds fun, but when you're 10 or 13, you do not go to the stinking museum.
0: You know what I mean? Like
1: So she would always come home with energy to try to do more stuff with us and we would be like regular teenagers like, oh, mom, leave me alone. But I'm looking back at that. It's like, I'm tired now and I got just two toddlers like, and I only have one job. So I don't know why. (laughs) Well, you know, if you count real estate, but one W-2 job. So I don't know how she did all of that consistently, but definitely the grit and persistence comes from childhood. Like, I don't know if I would have that the same way if mm-hmm. it wasn't for watching my mom just survive.
0: Right. And I think too, that that's something, and maybe that might be the one lesson that, you know, that you've learned from childhood to try to extend into your girls too. And just like kind of that hustle factor. Cause we both know, like with entrepreneurship, like there is no real like off time with it. There is no nine to five. So how do you juggle working like a W2 job, being a mom and also being in real estate? By dropping balls and picking them back up again. That's
1: (laughs) how I juggle. I juggle very poorly. So I'm trying to get better at that too, because I'm still in growth phase of my business. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to get to certain milestones, but then I do try to actually be more mindful when I'm taking the girls out to the park or doing something like that, that I'm not just constantly on my phone or, you know, texting people or having calls or whatever that I'm actually can be present. And engaging with them while we're outside or we're sitting on the floor, they want to play a game, want me to play with me, then like I sit and I'll play with them. Even if I know my laptop's open, I have 50 things to do, you know, sometimes I can't do it all the time, but like sometimes I try to like step back and at least have those moments and still like have some routine, like reading bedtime stories at night and things like that, stuff like that that they'll remember because if it's consistent over time. So yeah, just, I think there's no magic bullet I think trying to get as many things automated as possible. I, you know, try to use some of these other, you know, like when you sign up for programs, they have the free version. But if you do a little bit more then they have, like, additional automations you can implement. So I'm starting to do that kind of thing and testing out VAs and stuff like that. I still have not found the secret sauce for a good VA. So (laughs) I'm looking for that. If anyone has systems to screen VAs, please let me know. But yeah, so it's just a bunch of wobbly juggling.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what though? That's a part of the journey and that's what makes your journey unique in and of itself. And think of like, you know, being like even five years or even three years from now, like how different life will look just because, you know, you took kind of that short-term sacrifice of really just getting after it and really just like going for it, just doing as much as you possibly can in real estate so that you can grow and doing it all at the benefit of creating that generational wealth for your family. Like that's kind of the biggest piece of it, I think. Yeah. And
1: that's one of the things too, is because my kids are still so young and this is something that I struggled with when I first started, cause I really kind of jumped into the commercial side. Like literally as I had my second daughter, I was on maternity leave going to markets and visiting houses and looking <laughs> at realtors and brokers. Like I was doing, like I signed up for my coaching program when I was seven and a half months pregnant. So Girl. <laughs> like <laughs> strategically to use maternity leave to go to my market and to meet up because things weren't yeah. ver- as virtual then as they are now because everything mm-hmm. was in person. Like, how can I go to this market and people are going to see my face if I'm still working a W-2 and I got these kids at home. Like I had to use maternity leave and then COVID hit and everything went virtual. So anyway, but yeah, I wanted, the main thing I was trying to say with that is that I want to hustle and grind now while they are young enough to want mommy's presence and to still like not think that I'm gone all the time, but to have something flourishing so that by the time they're like a couple of years into school, like they won't remember a time when mommy did have a job. They Mm -hmm. won't remember a time like though mommy will always have worked for herself in their eyes because it'll, it'll happen so early. Like, and so before I need to, I have that window, like when they're old enough to do stuff, but they're not before they become teenagers or preteens and they don't want to hang out with parents anymore. <laughs> so I got to get this crack in. And like, I got probably like a couple more years to get this crack in <laughs> where they still want, like, cause I'll be off from work doing what during the day. And then they won't even want to hang out with me when they get home from school. If I don't, you know, get on this quick, quick, quick.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, You've got lots of time. I know how old your kids are and yeah, with them being what two and four. That they've oh, got. It's not
1: that much time. They grow so
0: fast. They are no. I don't know. Sometimes
1: they want me around. Sometimes they don't.
0: That's a piece of it, right? <laughs> so, so transitioning. I know we're trying to wrap things up. What is like one real estate goal that you want to accomplish this year?
1: Ooh, this year, I need to close on a short term rental. Actually,
0: short term rental. Okay, yeah. Airbnb, VRBO. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, cool, and. I know that you are a bookworm because you'd be blowing my phone up. Like (laughs) here's another book. Here's another book. You got to read this book. You (laughs) got to read this book. I literally have the Rachel Rogers book that I'm looking at like (laughs) right now that you, I think we talked about it like a couple days ago and I was like, okay, I'm getting it. I like ordered it on Amazon, but like, I know you're always reading as am I, but you are on another level. So what is like, in a good way, what is one book recommendation that you would give to the listeners? Jeez Louise. Maybe Um, even like a recent read.
1: So I did mention before the gap and the gain. That was very transformational for me.
0: So I do recommend that but I feel like that's cheating because I already said that so I gotta think of something else <laughs> well it's interesting you didn't say rich dad poor dad which is good that's like the most cliche one that like all of us yeah are that's the one that everyone
1: <laughs> exactly and if you're listening to this podcast you probably have read rich dad poor dad already but if not okay yeah read that one because if that's your first book then yeah read that but I think actually you know what for implementation the 12-week year was really good 12-week year okay yeah yeah all right. I'm gonna it add really lays out notes. a roadmap of how to do the action steps in the book so that you can actually implement and not still just promise yourself you're going to do things that you don't end up doing.
0: Okay, cool. I'm going to add that into the show notes. So on a final note, what is the best way that our viewers or listeners, if you're listening on any of our audio platforms, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Probably
1: going to my website is best because it will link you to all the different ways to contact me, which are good, but I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. But if you go to my website, which is noirvestholdings.com, I'm sure you put that in the notes too, so I won't even yes. spell it out. But that has all the links to my personal social media and my business social medias. And you can send me an email through there, like a message, and I'll get that and re-
0: reply. So any of those through social media or... Through the website. Okay, perfect. I will definitely I'll add all of that to the show notes. And we will make sure that all of our listeners have a great way to get a hold of you. I wanted to give you a huge thank you. I know that Nicole gave us a ton of nuggets and wisdom today sharing her transformational story. We touched on real estate, and we touched a little bit on parenting. And so I just wanted to thank you for coming on to the show today, my friend. Yeah, you are welcome. <laughs> and also, I want to, no, you won't mind. I'm going to give a
1: little shout out for my own show that just yes. dropped as well. So that is the Share the Wealth Show. So that's on all your podcast listening platforms. We're also on YouTube, but put show at the end or else you probably won't find it. Share the okay. Wealth Show. Share the Wealth um, Show. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it to you So, Oh, you have it so you can. Yeah, no, I know. I follow but you yeah. and I
0: listen to your episodes. So.
1: Yay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just a lot more nuggets about wealth building. So if you, you know, listen to both of the Nicoles and together you will be unstoppable.
0: <laughs> I'll add that to the show notes as well. So thank you so much again. And until next time. Bye. Bye. I hope y'all enjoyed the episode. If you could do me a favor and please subscribe and reach out to me on LinkedIn with any topics that you might like to hear about or experiences that I can share. Thanks for listening. You are appreciated.